You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Abide. Amen. You may be seated. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Ruth. As you guys all know, Ruth chapter number one. Ruth chapter number one. We're going to do an overview of the entire book of Ruth today, chapters one through four. Only four chapters long, so it won't take too long today. And while you're turning to the book of Ruth, I want to tell you a story this morning. It's a story that maybe some of you have heard before. Maybe some of you have read it or heard it uh, being taught in service. But, man, it's an excellent, excellent story. It's a story that, by the end of the story, I believe you'll learn some things that will help you with your story. Because you have a story to tell. Did you know that this morning? You have a story And your story is unique. Your story is different than anybody else's story. And God wants to use your story in such a way that he's used no other story in all of human history. Because God made you one of a kind. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says you're God's masterpiece. You are his workmanship. You are his poem. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what the Bible says about you. And the Bible goes on to say that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the moment you got saved, God had a predetermined, perfect plan for you. God has a perfect plan for your life, a destiny, if you will. That's what that term predestinated means, right? And God has something that he wants to do in your life and through your life that he can do with nobody else. But in order for this to happen... Some decisions must be made in our lives because our decisions determine our destiny. The the decisions that we make, the choices that we make determine the story that we tell, the destiny that God has in store for us. And this is exactly what the book of Ruth is all about. It's all about the decisions that are made that leads to romance, that leads to repentance, that leads to restitution, And that leads to the theme of the entire Bible, redemption. But it all goes back to decisions that are made. In fact, the book is all about decisions from start to finish. There are 15 major decisions made in the short book of Ruth. And each decision shaped their destiny. It shaped their life. And it shaped the story that we will read today. We see good decisions and we see bad decisions in this story But regardless, we see decisions. And I'm going to look at some of those decisions today. And there are three parts of this story that I want to highlight concerning decisions. And I believe it will help us a lot. Let's start off by looking at the bad decisions. All right, right off the bat, we see a bad decision from Elimelech. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you have made a bad decision before? Right? All of us, two hands way up for this guy. I make bad decisions all the time. Well, this book begins with a bad decision, right? Let's look at the first two verses of this text. That's what it starts off by saying. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Epiphites of Bethlehem, Judah, And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Now, in these first two verses, we see a decision that was made. They left Bethlehem to go to Moab. 
And as we read the remainder of this story, we find out that this was a bad decision. You see, we have this family, Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and his two sons there dwelling in the land of Bethlehem. Now, we all know the place called Bethlehem today, right? It's a very popular uh, country today or popular place today. But at that time, it was just a small town. Small town like Akron, Iowa, nothing major about this town whatsoever. And that's where this family lives. And God wanted to bless Bethlehem, right? The name Bethlehem literally means house of bread. It was a place filled with blessing. It was a place that was wonderful. But we find out that this took place during the time of the judges. Now, in the judges, or the, the, the book of Judges, we find out that uh, families and the Israelites, they did everything that was right in their own eyes. So they didn't follow God. They didn't follow the word of God. They didn't follow this righteous life. Somebody lived this way over here. Somebody lived this way over here. And it led to turmoil during the season of the Judges. And oftentimes what we see throughout the 350-year period in the book of Judges is people repented, they got right with God, then they rebelled, then they experienced the consequences, and then they repented again. Well, at this particular time in our story, they are dealing with the rebellious period. And so what God did was God provided a famine in that land to get them to look to God. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, that's what he did. He would bring famines and he would bring situations to get people to repent and get right with God. And that was what was happening here. But Elimelech and his family, they decided that they're not going to look to God. They're not going to get right in Bethlehem, but they're going to flee and they're going to go to the place called Moab. Now, Moab was not a good place at all. Moab was a wicked city. It was a place of idolatry, false idols, and wickedness. They were enemies of the Israelites. This was not a place that God would want his chosen people to go to at all. But this family would rather flee for a season than to get right and to look to God. But it's interesting to point out, we looked at the name Bethlehem, it means the house of bread. But they're fleeing Bethlehem to go find bread in Moab. This was a bad decision. This decision did not make sense if you looked at it through the word of God. And we find out that this one decision, this one decision that Elimelech made brought several negative consequences in their family's life. And that's something that we kind of need to understand today. The truth is choices have consequences, right? The choices that we make, good choices lead to good consequences. Bad choices lead to bad consequences, but we face the consequences nonetheless. You see, Almighty God is a wonderful God. He's a gentleman. And God has set it up in a way where we are free to choose, right? We have free will. We can choose to live our own way. We can choose to serve God or we can choose to serve ourselves. We're free to choose, but we are not free to choose the consequence of our choice. Choices have consequences. And Elimelech and his family, they face the consequences for the bad decision that they made. We find out that this bad decision brought tragedy in their life, right off the bat in verse number three, look what the Bible says there. The Bible says in Elimelech, Naomi's husband died and she was left and her two sons. And they took to them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years. And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husbands. We see tragedy in verse three, tragedy in verse four, and tragedy in verse 5. 
right? So Elimelech makes the decision to leave. I'm leaving Bethlehem. I'm going to Moab. And shortly after they arrive, the person that made the decision dies. And what's left? You've got Naomi and you've got two sons. And we find out that this one decision led to another bad decision. Malon and Kilion fall in love with two Moabite girls in Moab, and they get married. Now, that might not make any sense to us today why that's a bad decision, but that was against Jewish law at that time, right? Moabites served false idols. They served false gods. And so these people decided that they were going to set aside the Jewish law, set aside what the Bible has to say, and marry these Moabite women, these people that served other gods. That was another bad decision that occurred. And then they wound up living in Moab 10 years, the Bible says. They were planning on leaving for a season. Just while the famine was bad, they were going to go to Moab and just stay there for a little while. And then when Bethlehem became blessed once again, they were going to make their way back and all was going to be good in the world. But can I tell you today, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost more than you want to pay. That's what happens when sin takes place in your life. That's what happens with negative consequences. They wound up living in Moab for 10 years. And to top it all off, we find out in verse 5 that the two sons die and leave three widows all alone. So the story starts off with this one family, but it ends with Naomi and two daughter-in-laws. That's it. All because of one bad decision. So this bad decision brought tragedy. But not only did it bring tragedy, it also brought tears. You know, oftentimes bad decisions bring tears into our life, right? It brings weeping. And that's what we see in chapter 1. Twice we see these widow girls weeping, right? Tears are taking place in the lives of this family, right? And, and we read in verse 6 that Naomi's left all alone. Her sons are dead, Elimelech is dead, and she's got her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, there as well. Now, being a woman in this particular time, you couldn't provide for yourself. There really was no hope for these people. And not only that, to add insult to injury, Naomi finds out in verse 6 that while she's going through tragedy, while she's dealing with tears, while she is experiencing agony, the people in Bethlehem are being blessed beyond measure. She was forced to watch them experience blessing. Look at verse number 6. The Bible says, And she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. So there's bread once again in the house of bread, and there is famine in Moab. Now, can you just imagine that, right? Making a bad choice and then being forced to suffer the consequences and watching your family and your friends and the place that you once were experiencing blessing? That would be hard. She made a bad decision, and she's forced to watch them blessed, right? That's what negative consequences bring. It brings tragedy. It brings tears. And then we see in our story a turning back. So after all that has happened, Naomi decides she's going back to Bethlehem. She realizes that Elimelech and herself made this bad decision. She realizes that she's facing consequences, and she says, there's nothing for me for Moab. There's nothing in me here I need to go back. But remember now, she's got two daughter-in-laws, Naomi, or Orpah, and Ruth. And so they had a choice to make. They had to decide they could either stay in Moab or they could follow Naomi to Bethlehem. 
The choice was theirs. Now, Naomi tries to convince them not to go, right? But they decide to go. They want to go along with, they want to go with, with their mother-in-law that they love, that they care for. They want to help take care of her a little bit. And so they start making their way to Moab or making their way to Bethlehem, I should say, about a 55-mile journey. A couple miles in, Naomi stops and turns to Orpah and Ruth and says, guys, stay in Moab. There's nothing for you in Bethlehem. Your Moabites are going to look down on you. Uh, man, you're not going to find a, a husband there. Uh, I can't have any kids. Um, I can't have any kids for you to marry, right? And he, she kind of just goes down, down the list. There's no hope for you in Bethlehem, right? Stay in Moab. And they say, no, we want to follow you. We want to go. We want to be with you. So they go a little bit farther. A few more miles in, Naomi turns to them again and says, you guys need to stay. Right? Moab is the place for you. Go serve your gods. Go serve your idols. I'm going to Bethlehem. You stay. Twice she tries to get them to stay in Moab. Now, is she doing this because she doesn't want to be with them? No, she loves them. She wants a relationship with them. But she knows in her finite minds, humanly speaking, that there was nothing for them in Bethlehem. So she's trying to get them to stay for their own good. And they had a decision to make. And we see their decision in verse 14 of Ruth 1. Look what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. This is where the people break. Decisions change. You've got Orpah who kisses her mother-in-law goodbye. She says, okay, I'm leaving. I love you. I am going back to Moab. And we never hear of Orpah again in this story. But what did Ruth do? The Bible says Ruth clave unto her. Ruth says, I'm not leaving. Right? I'm following you wherever you tell me to go. I'm going. She clave to Naomi. But again, notice Naomi's response. She didn't feel loved when she heard this. No, she's still trying to get Ruth to go back to Moab. Right, verse 15, and Naomi said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. So Naomi says, Go back. Go back to your gods. Go back to your old ways. I'm going to Bethlehem. You stay. And that kind of shows where she was at, spiritually speaking, at this time. I don't think ever in a million years Naomi would ever consider somebody to go and worship false idols. But she's so depressed, she's so down and low that she says, go back to your gods. And we see Ruth's decision in verse 16. We read it earlier today. And I love this verse. It's one of the most powerful verses on the Bible. Because this is where this story changes shift. All right? This is where we see a bad decision turning into a good decision. Right? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are the calls according to his purpose. We see this decision in verse 16, and this decision determined Ruth's destiny and determined the world's destiny all rolled up into one. So point number one, we see the bad decision of Elimelech. He made bad decisions. It led to negative consequences in their life. It brought tears. It brought tragedy. It brought some issues. But then my second point, I want you to notice the good decisions of Ruth. All right? So Naomi says, no, uh, go, right? Naomi says, go. What does Ruth say? Ruth says, no. She says, I'm not leaving. Look at verse 16. The Bible says, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. 
In other words, quit telling me to leave. I'm not going, right? Or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. She said, I'm not leaving you, right? I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to live where you live, Naomi. You can't stop me. Your people will be my people. And Naomi, I can learn a new language. I can learn a new culture. I don't want to leave you. I'm going to leave my past behind for you. And, and basically, the point that I'm trying to make, Naomi, is this. Thy God shall be my God. And can I tell you today, that decision of Ruth was the greatest decision she ever made. The greatest decision ever made right there. Thy God, my God. You see, that's what we call Ruth's salvation experience. Ruth's conversion, if you will. And if you look at it in the New Testament sense, that's exactly what we see here, right? She's saying, I believe, right? I'm not serving the false gods anymore. I am going to serve the one true God. I'm believing on Almighty God, thy God, my God. Right? And every single one of us should have that testimony of Ruth. Right? Where we come to the point in our life where we decide, thy God shall be my God. I'm going to serve the one true God. I'm going to give my life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I ask you today, have you ever had that Ruth moment? Have you ever come to the point in your life where you recognize that you were a sinner? You recognize that your past can't help you. And you need Jesus Christ in your life. We all need to come to that point because our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from a relationship with God. And there is a penalty for the sin that we have, right? For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is separation, separation from us and God. But it goes on to say the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You accept the gift of salvation in your life. You accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus Christ comes in your life. Jesus Christ comes in your hearts, and you get to have a personal relationship with him. But it takes coming to the point where you say, thy God, my God. And we discover, after Ruth made this decision, good decisions started to follow. Everything changed for Ruth in this moment. And this one decision led to a number of great decisions afterwards. We find out that after she made this decision, she decided to be selfless. She decided not to live a selfish life, but a selfless life. A selfless life for God. In other words, Ruth made a decision that wasn't about what she wanted or what was best for her, but what was best for others. Right? So Naomi says, why stay? Right? This isn't what's best for you. Live for yourself. YOLO. Right? Your chances of remarrying are slim. We have no money. You'll be considered an outcast. Your best life is not here. Your best life is not with me, even though I would love your help, even though I don't want to lose you. I need you to go back to Moab. But Ruth said, hey, it's not about me. It's about God, and it's about others. Right? She lived a selfless life to help Naomi and to help God. And honestly, humanly speaking, it was absolutely in Ruth's best interest to stay in Moab. 100%. Chances are she would have remarried pretty soon. She would have had kids and, and she would have lived happily ever after with that person. But she didn't want to serve false gods anymore. 
She didn't want to live for herself. She wanted to live for the person that she loved in Naomi and live for the one true God. And Ruth had it right, guys. She absolutely did. You see, the victorious Christian life is not about living for us. It's not. I talk about that a lot, right? The victorious life, the abundant life, that life beyond amazing. I love to talk about that. Our life has purpose. Our life has meaning, right? But you want to know what that purpose is? That meaning, it's not living for self. It's living for him, right? The way to true joy is living for God, right? G or J, oh, why? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's the way to live the victorious Christian life. Living for the glory of God, right? Matthew 16, 25. For whosoever will lose, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You try to save your life, you're going to lose your life. But if you lose your life for the glory of God, hey, you'll save your life. You'll find your life. Living a selfless life is the way to the abundant life. And I can stand here today and say, I've experienced that. There's been three major decisions in my life where I said, I'm not going to do my will. I'm going to do God's will. And all three times I found my life. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. That's what I worked in. I loved it so much. I had internships at ESPN in Minneapolis. That was the thing I was going to go to. But I came to this point in my life where I realized that God wanted me to preach. He wanted me to be a preacher of the gospel. And I said, no. But he got my attention. Finally, I came to that point where I said, fine, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I'll set aside my wants for what you have. You want to know something? I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that decision. Shortly after that, I had a Bible college in Mines. Right? My cousin was the dean of this Bible college. I would have had it made. Uh, there was a lot of beautiful Baptist females at that Bible college. I was going to marry somebody and life was going to be good. And God said, nope, I got other plans for you. Got a different college. Small towns is where you're going to go to. You want to know what happened? Shortly after I made that decision, I met my wife, Hannah. We fell in love. Right? I lost my life, but I found my life. And then just a couple years ago, man, right? God says, hey, I want you to go to Akron. And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't want to go, man. I'm going to be honest with you. Right? I didn't want to go here. There's already a Baptist church here, and I wasn't planning on coming here. I, I'm going to be honest, I had many other job opportunities that were far better than this, if you're looking at it at face value. But I knew later that God wanted me to go, and there was this point in my life where I said, no, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I'm, I'm going to follow you. I don't want to do this, but man, I, you've helped me in this decision and in this decision, so I'm going to trust. And I went all in, and then pretty soon, man, I fell in love with this community. I fell in love with this town. We bought a house here before we had a church, but it takes coming to the point where we say, hey, I'm going to lose my life before I find my life, right? Think about where we're at today. One year, man, I found it. I found my life here in the Akron community, but it takes coming to this point where you say, hey, I'm going to be selfless. I decide to be selfless for God, not selfish, selfless. That's what Ruth did. She decided to be selfless, but then notice this. She also decided to be steadfast. All right? She was steadfast in the decision that she made. And that's honestly one of the biggest things that we need to understand in our life. Because your circumstances sometimes are going to seem contrary to the will of God. Right? But if you make a decision, if you decide, you got to be steadfast. Ruth decided and she was steadfast in her decision. Look at verse 18. 
The Bible says when Naomi saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she stopped speaking unto her. So she stopped arguing with her, right? I, I, I tried to convince you three different times. You're steadfast in your decision. I can see that I can't convince you otherwise. All right, let's go. She was steadfast. She didn't waver. She was steadfast in her decision. And then they continued their 55-mile journey to Bethlehem. That was a long journey for two ladies, right? It was a long journey that Ruth had to put up with, put up with her mother-in-law. We find out that she wasn't very pleasant in Ruth chapter 1 and verses 19 and 20. Look at the text, right? So the, the two went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? So again, this was a small town. So imagine you leave a small town, you come back 10 years later and they still recognize you. They say, is that Naomi? Is that the Naomi that I love? You want to know what the name Naomi means? In the Hebrew, it literally means pleasant. That's what Naomi was. She was pleasant. Is that Naomi? Look what she says, though, in verse 20. She says, call me not Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Lord Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. You want to know what the name Mara means in Hebrew? Bitter. So Naomi, this pleasant lady, this pleasant person, she had to have been pleasant because uh, her daughter-in-law's liked her, right? She was pleasant, but now she's bitter. She's depressed. She's discouraged at what she's dealing with, the consequences that they have. And so understand this now. Ruth had to be steadfast, right? She's traveling, get this, with a bitter mother-in-law. How many of you have dealt with bitter mother-in-laws before? Tara, you're not allowed to raise your hands. You're not allowed. <laughs> but we've dealt with them before, maybe at times, right? That's terrible. Ruth could have left. She could have said, hey, I'm doing this for you, Naomi. You've got no hope. You've got no life. I'm, I'm sacrificing my life, my future for you. If you're going to be bitter, if you're going to be unthankful for it, I'll go back to Moab. She was steadfast in her decision. She made a decision and she stuck with it, right? She was steadfast. She was selfless. And then we see that this girl decided to serve. She made a decision that she was going to serve Naomi and she was going to serve her God. So Ruth is here. They're in Bethlehem. She's in a new place. No friends. No one on her side. She's an outcast because she's a Moabite and she's dealing with a depressed Naomi. But you want to know something? That does not stop her from making the most of her situation. You see, at this particular time, people had to provide for one another, right? There was no welfare or, or anything like that. They had to get up and work. There was no man to work for them. So somebody had to provide. Was it going to be Naomi? Bitter depressed Naomi? No, it was going to be Ruth. Look at verse number two. Look at what she does. The Bible says, And Ruth the Moabite ascended to Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of grain or corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. So, man, that girl went to work, right? She went to work. She went to serve. She went to provide for herself and her mother-in-law all alone. You see, in the Old Testament time, God has set it up in such a way where uh, the law commanded that farmers in Israel shouldn't completely harvest their fields. So they were told to leave the corners of the fields so poor people and widows could go and harvest. And as the harvesters were to go along, if they had, had anything that dropped uh, that was left there, the, the poor people would go and pick it back up. And they could take it home. That was a law that God provided looking out for poor people and widows, which is really cool. And so that's what Ruth did. She went to the fields where they were harvesting and she was going to pick up after herself. It was a hard job. 
It was in the heat. It was kind of a dangerous job because there were men lurking all over the place. Right? Not a good place for women at all. But she says, I'm going to go work. I'm going to go provide for Naomi. In spite of her circumstances, she gleaned, right? She could have been down. She could have been depressed just like Naomi. She had every reason to me. Every reason. Elimelech died a long time ago. But her, her husbands probably died pretty recently, right? Malon and Kilion died after. But she didn't get down. She didn't get depressed. She said, I'm going to go to work. She didn't say, woe is me. She said, woo is me, right? I get to serve the Lord, right? I get to serve God. I'm going to provide for Naomi and life is going to be good. She decided to serve, right? She could have gotten down, but she served the Lord. She went to glean instead of gloom. She went to work instead of weep. And she went to live instead of lay. And you want to know something today? Because of that mentality, because of that mindset, because of that good decision, God Almighty blessed her. You see, because she made that decision to be selfless, to be of service, to be steadfast in her decision, she met her Boaz. The love of her life, her future husband's, her kinsman, Redeemer. And really, that's what the book of Ruth is about. It's a love story. It's a romance between Ruth and Boaz. And once we get to this point, we see the love story taking place, right? It's like a rom-com in the best sense. It'd be the best movie in the world if we saw a movie on the book of Ruth, right? She was blessed. She was able to meet her Boaz. And that's what we see in verse 3. She's in a field. She's gleaning. She's going through work. She is living a sacrificial life, a selfless life. A steadfast life. And then look at God's providence in verse number three. The Bible says, And she went and claim, came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on part of the fields belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. I like the way the old English phrases it there. It's her hap. And that means coincidentally. Or it just so happened. But... It's so much more than our English word for it just so happened. That's why it says it's her hap there. Because it just so happened to Ruth, yes, but it did not just so happen to God. You see, right in the middle of that situation, God had a plan. There are no accidents with God. God had a plan in mind. God had a situation in mind. And we find out that her hap, it just so happens that as she's gleaning this random fields to harvest, she comes upon the fields of Boaz, the fields that Boaz runs. You see, Boaz was a mighty man. Boaz was, was a virtuous, godly man at this particular time. And ladies, he was single. He was a single man, but he was mighty. He owned a, a lot of fields. He was the boss. And she happened to start gleaning on the fields of Boaz. Sometimes we go through some just-so-happen moments in our life. You see, God had a plan for Boaz and Ruth to get together, right? And we go through some just-so-happen moments in our life. You see, it's just-so-happened to us, yes, but it's not just-so-happened to God. And I, I believe if you sit and think about it, you can think of some haps in your life. Some just-so-happens, right? And sometimes we need to just stop and think about it and get happy about our haps. Right? Get happy about the times that God works situations together for good. God orchestrated this situation to this situation to this situation to further his plan. This is the providence of God. This is the sovereignty of God. And we see it coming to pass here in the book of Ruth. 
So we see the bad decision of Elimelech. It brought consequences. But then we see the good decisions of Ruth. These were tough situations. But man, it brought reward. That brings me to my third point, the significance of her decision. So Ruth, we find out she made three great decisions that determined her destiny. She was selfless. She was steadfast. And she served. But it all goes back to that first decision where she said, thy God, my God. That one decision made all the difference. And look at how this comes to pass now, all right? I'm working pretty quickly, all right? We find out that her decisions led to a relationship. A relationship with this mighty man named Boaz, right? Boaz was this mighty man. Look at verses 2 or 4 through 6 in Ruth chapter number 2. All right, the Bible says, And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him and said, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. So this boss man, Boaz, is checking on the field, seeing how things are going. And all of a sudden she sees this poor Moabitish woman picking up grain. And Boaz looks at one of the reapers and says, mm. <laughs> Who's that pretty lady? Right, whose damsel is this? Woo! That's really what he did. Right? Whose damsel is this? But then we kind of see the disgust with this, this reaper. He goes, Oh, that's the Moabitish woman. Right? Looking down at prejudice. You want to know something? Boaz didn't care. No, Boaz is like, I want to check that girl out. I'm going to go talk with her. I'm going to strike up a conversation with this woman. And that's what happens. Right? Verse 8 to verse 18, they have this beautiful conversation. Right? They talk with one another, they see this relationship forming. Right? You ever have those first moments with, with, your, with a date, the person that you like? Right? You talk with somebody, it's all awkward, like, hee hee hee, you know, and things like that. That's really what it was here. Boaz went up to her and said, can you hear? That's how he begins. You could tell he was nervous. Look at, look at verse number eight. I think it's so funny. All right? Then Boaz said unto Ruth, hearest thou not, my daughter? That's a weird way to start a conversation. Right? Can you hear? What's that all about? Awkward. But... We see the relationship forming, right? They have a conversation with another another. And, and then we find out in verse 14 that they have a lunch date. Ooh, first lunch date, guys. Pretty cool stuff, right? And he knows how to work it, right? He knows how to make things come together. They kind of go to Olive Garden in a certain sense. They really do. If you look, no, read the text, seriously. If you look in verse 14, we find out that he, she sits at his table and they share uh, some bread with some oils, you know? Like, just like Olive Garden, right? Just like one, one little thing of oil, you know, sharing with one another, right? He knows how to make it work. That, man, that's, I don't know, that's romantic. I don't know about you, man. I'm going to start taking advice from Boaz. He knows how to play the game, right? But that's what happened. They have this conversation with one another. The relationship grows. And during that time, Ruth and Boaz weren't talking with the reapers, they weren't talking with all the people that were on that field. It was one-on-one, -on -one, Ruth and Boaz. Now think about this, though. That poor Moabite woman, the one that has gone through tragedy, the one that has gone through heartache and tears, she gets to have a conversation, a relationship with this mighty, rich, and godly individual of Israel. And this was overwhelming for her. She couldn't believe it. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, Then she fell on her face 
and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou should take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? She's saying, how is it that I get to experience this sort of kindness, this grace, and this blessing, and a relationship from you? It was an incredible relationship that they had. But can I tell you today, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you've got a greater relationship, an incredible relationship. Our decision to trust in, trust in Christ leads to that same incredible relationship. Hey, we are the Moabite woman. We've got nothing to offer, but God wants a personal relationship with you. God wants to talk with you. God wants to walk with you. God wants to bless you, and it's one-on-one, -on -one, you and him, you and him, you and him, right? She had a relationship because of her decision, but then we see she had a reward because of her decision. Her decision led to a reward. Look at what Boaz went on to say in verse 11. The Bible says, And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed of me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. So Boaz says to Ruth, I've heard all the wonderful things that you've done for your mother-in-law. I've heard all of the kind things. You may not know it, but I saw. I heard. I could see that you're selfless. I could see that you're steadfast. I can see that you are a virtuous woman. And then again, Boaz knows how to play the game, right? And he means it, but he breaks out in prayer for this woman. He starts praying for her right on the spot. Again, that's romantic. That's awesome. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Lord, bless her. Lord, reward her for her decision. And we find out God used Boaz to reward her. He was the answer to her prayer. He was the answer to his prayer. And she was rewarded in so many ways. Boaz, this boss, let her eat at the table with him. Boaz went on after this, after he fed her at the table for lunch, he gave her a month's thing of groceries to go home and bring to Naomi. You went there, you gleaned the fields, you might get a day's worth, maybe. You're not going to get a month. He said, take a month home. Right? I'm going to hook you up. Right? And not to mention, later in the story, she gets married to Boaz. She has babies with Boaz, and she experiences riches that she never thought possible. She was rewarded. And I want you to know today, this is not why we do it. This is not why we serve the Lord. This is not why we live the Christian life. But the same thing goes for us. If we're steadfast, if we serve, if we sacrifice, we will be rewarded as well. Right? Galatians 6, 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. God will bless us. He'll bless us to come with a crown of righteousness, the Bible says. But man, he'll bless us in this world today. Hey, the Bible is very clear on that. We can rejoice about that. Her decision led to reward. Her decision led to relationship. And then the best one in number three, and I'm almost done. Her decision led to redemption. So she's got this, this thing of grain, a month's worth of groceries of grain to bring home to her bitter mother-in-law. She gets done with the date. She's full. She's on her way home. And look at verses 18 and 20. Look at what the Bible says there. The Bible says, And she took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had received after she had sufficed. So she brought 
back what she did not eat, what she didn't eat with Boaz. Now, remember now, Naomi's bitter. Naomi's depressed. Naomi's low down, right? She's feeling sorry for herself. Woe is me. But look at what happens in verse 19. The Bible says, And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that take knowledge of thee. And I don't know about you, but when I read this text, and I see uh, Ruth coming with all of this grain, right? Literally a month's worth of groceries for these people. I, I don't know why, but this is how I picture I picture uh, Naomi with some, a drink in her hands. She sees Ruth coming and just... <laughs> that's really what I notice. That's really what I think about when I see that. Just like, what? How did you get that? What field are you harvesting in, man? That's what happened. Naomi was depressed two seconds ago. Now she's excited. She's happy. And then look at verse 20. The Bible says, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be the Lord, who not left us off of his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is a near of kin unto us, one of our next kinmen. So she says, Blessed be the Lord. So understand this now, all right? Because of the decision of Ruth. Oh, man. Because Ruth made the decision to live for God, she not only affected herself, she affected Naomi. Naomi went from bitter to better to blessed, right? She said, call me Mara for I'm bitter. But then she said, where hast thou gleaned? She got up, where hast thou gleaned? How do you have better? But then blessed, blessed be the Lord, right? The decisions that we make in life not only affect us, but the people around us negatively or positively. You may be doing something today that you don't think you're causing any harm on anybody except yourself. I'm telling you, you're, you're causing harm on other people. You really are. It affects the situations around you. If you're making good decisions, you showed up to church today, I can guarantee it. You made a good decision that shaped your kids' lives. Our decisions that we make lead to consequences, good or bad. But Naomi is excited here. Naomi is pumped up, but why is that? Yeah, she's got some grain, but is she just excited about the grain? Well, no. Look at the back end of verse 20. This is really interesting if you know the Old Testament. Look at how she ends. She says, and Naomi said unto her, the man Boaz is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinmen. They were related. Boaz and Elimelech, her dead husband, were related with one another. Now, Ruth had no idea. Ruth didn't know this. She was just on a lunch date. But Naomi knew it, and Naomi is, is excited as all get out, right? And as Ruth is telling this story to Naomi, Naomi starts to have things click in her head. She has kind of this ding, 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 ding kind of moment. You see, in the Old Testament, there's this law that God, again, set up to help the widows. That if a woman has a husband who dies and doesn't have any children then a close relative of that dead husband's can marry that widow, and then when they have children, they can name the children after the dead husband to keep the lineage going, to keep the heritage going, to keep it in the family. And not only that, but he can also redeem all the property that the dead husband's once had. That was a law, and this law is known as the law of the kinsman redeemer. Now, for us to grasp it in our 21st century, we can't do it. We have to put ourselves in the Old Testament when we're thinking about this, all right? But this was the law of the kinsman redeemer, right? Naomi is thinking to herself, 
maybe Boaz could become Ruth's next husband. Maybe Boaz could be Ruth's kinsman redeemer, could redeem uh, and and give me children, uh, grandkids in my lineage and and also redeem our property. Maybe things aren't going to be so bad at all. Right? She went from bitter to blessed, hopeful, right? Helpless to hopeful because of the decision that Ruth made. And I love how this mother-in-law works. This just sounds like what mother-in-laws tend to do, man. I know my mother-in-law would. She starts, you know, mingling or, you know, putting herself in the situation. And she, I love my mother-in-law, 100%. She's the best mother-in-law in the world. But she convinces Ruth to go and propose to Boaz. <laughs> Not Boaz to Ruth. She convinced her, hey, you need to go down and lay at his feet and propose to Boaz. And long story short, she did. You want to know what happened? Boaz said yes. There was a lot of stuff that happened in between them that I can't get into for the sake of time. But Boaz said yes. Boaz agreed to be her kinsman redeemer. This hopeless, terrible life is turning not just good, but great. And in Ruth chapter number four, if you want to turn there, we see the redemption of Ruth. The kinsman redeemer redeeming the property, redeeming Ruth, and redeeming Naomi. Look at verses 9 and 10. This was the custom there. Understand that now. The Bible says, And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Kilion's, and all that was Maon's, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead among his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren, and from the gate of his place ye are witnesses this day. So it was done. It's a custom. It's done, right? So we see here, he buys back the property that belongs to Elimelech. He marries Ruth the Moabite. He keeps the heritage of the dead husband going, and he becomes her kinsman redeemer. All that from this dude named Boaz because she happened to come across his field. And we find out that shortly after they got married, Ruth gets pregnant, and she has a beautiful baby boy named Obed. And the three of them live happily ever after. Now, why is this important? You may be wondering that today. Why is this important? I thought we were doing a series on cross-reference. What's this all about? Well, the connection from the Old Testament to the New Testament is found in that little baby boy that Ruth and Boaz had. That little baby boy named Obed. Because Obed grows up. Obed gets married. And he has a son. And his name is Jesse. Jesse grows up, gets married, has some sons. His youngest son is David. David has some sons. One of David's sons is Solomon. Solomon grows up. He has some sons and he has a lot of wives. And he has a son named Rehoboam. Rehoboam has a son by the name of Abijah. Abijah has a son by the name of Asa. Asa has a son by the name of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat has a son who has a son who has a son who has a son whose name is Jesus. See, that's why Jesus came back to be born of Bethlehem, because he was in the house and lineage of David. But none of that would have happened. Jesus would not have been born if there wasn't a point in Ruth's life where she said, thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. 
going all the way back to Ruth chapter 1. That's what we see. Her decision shaped her destiny. It changed everything in her life. It transformed her family. It affected her personally. It helped shape her destiny. And it impacted all of eternity. All because there was a moment in her life where she said, Thy God, my God. So let me ask you today, will you make that decision for yourself? 